Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Behind the Yellow Line, a baseball podcast. Be sure to find us on Twitter at at BTYL podcast. I'm Randall J. Sanders, happy to be joined as always by Jeremy Spector and Ronan O'Shea, all three of us back together once again, and kudos to Ronan and Jeremy for holding it down last week without my essential support skills. You guys did a great job. Gentlemen, it is episode number 28, and with respect to some of the great two-eighths in Cubs history, including names like Jeff Baker, Mark Bellhorn, David Kelton, a favorite of Ronan O'Shea as a prospect, pinch hitter extraordinaire Todd Hollinsworth, Chris Coglin, a lot of great, great with quote marks in the number 28. Uh, the best 28 has to be Kyle Hendricks, doesn't it? Well, you name drop Mark Bellhorn, and I don't know how you top that. Uh, certainly, Kyle Hendricks has been one of the pleasant surprises. Obviously, a, a big trade for the Cubs, a guy who has dominated in the majors in an era of high velocity pitchers. So it's very cool when you get the guy, um, there are always like throwbacks to Maddox. He's definitely not at the caliber of Greg Maddox, but you see sort of shades of it at times and certainly not a high velocity guy. So uh, definitely Hendricks is the man, but I liked Mark Bellhorn. He could play multiple positions. He had some power. He had a 27 home run season. So Mark Bellhorn put some years together in his time, and I, I think he was a fun guy to watch back in the day. I believe Mark Bellhorn is a World Series champion with the Red Sox. That's that, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Kyle's 28 right now on the mound. But, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, 28. Now, I, I had a question. You just mentioned 28. You mentioned Chris Coughlin. Is that before Hendricks got, like, called up in 2014? It is, as a matter of fact, they Chris were Coughlin, a while, and I don't remember Chris Coughlin made his debut with the Cubs in number 28 in 2014, and it was uh, a little later on uh, in that season that he switched to number eight. That's uh, So Chris Coughlin, the last guy to wear number 28 before likely an all-time Cubs great, came in and took the number. And that's always interesting to me, who last wore a particular number before the, the the player best known for it. Uh, for example, who, who do you think, and no, neither of you are going to get this because this is a random name. I have no idea who this is. Who do you think wore number 10 before Ron Santo? Oh, wow. I don't know. Yeah. Individual by the name of, and I'm reading this right here, an individual by the name of El Tape. That's his, his listed name, E-L-T-A-P-P-E. El so Tape. That, yeah, that's the individual player and coach. It means the tap. <laughs> yeah, the tap in Spanish. <laughs> Uh, player and coach wore it 1958-1959 before Ron Santo came up and uh, took number 10 in 1960. So that's always interesting to me. Who wore uh, the number of a notable cub before that notable cub? Kind of, kind of like an interesting footnote to history. Uh, so the Cubs have uh, had some interesting times since you last convened. They uh, started the second half in Arizona and they won two games out of three, neither of them particularly convincingly, but wins are wins. And then, of course, they went to St. Louis. They had a rough Monday night, but they did something very interesting Tuesday night. They seized on the old one half of a percent chance and engaged in a historic comeback in enemy territory. I mean, that's it was awesome. It was awesome. I think it hadn't happened since the 1970s. The Cubs putting up, uh, what, five runs uh, to erase the deficit in the last inning and stun the Cardinals. To your point there, Randall, 99.5% chance of victory. That's what it sh should have been for the St. Louis Cardinals. That's what it was, actually, in the eighth inning of that ballgame. 
Cubs come out and it was came together beautifully in the ninth inning, a couple of walks. There was an error. Ian Happ, a guy who's been terrible really offensively this year for the Cubs has a huge hit down the first baseline drives in a couple of runs. So it may be a lost season. I think we're 10 days away or so from saying goodbye to some players that we all really like some longtime players, some more recent guys who've done some good stuff in a Cubs uniform. But if you can't enjoy what happened last night in St. Louis, I don't know what to tell you. It's always fun to beat the Cardinals and to sort of embarrass them like that in improbable fashion. I'll take that all the time, even if it's going to be a lost playoff this season. Yeah, a pretty ridiculous ending to the game, as you, as you mentioned there, uh, getting six runs in the top of the ninth. Uh, you know, the Cardinals, I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I know Alex Reyes has a nice, sexy ERA, and he was able to be, be an all-star based on that. But that's not a guy. I would really be counting on, I mean, with all his control issues and they showed up last night, the Cubs were able to put it together a little bit, get um, some huge hits, as you mentioned, uh, get on base with Patrick Wisdom, who was able to get on, on a, you know, missed third strike. So that's pretty crazy to start it all off to begin with. And then they're able to come through, you know, what they're three and two now coming out of the break uh, with tonight's game uh, going against the Cardinals, which they actually lead right now, one, nothing. But uh, who knows? We'll see. I, I know Randall's slagging them off a little bit for those wins in Arizona. They were they weren't good enough for Randall. You know, but, I, I, uh, I should I should recant that a win is a win, and you know there, there's no such thing as style points. Uh, the D-backs are just such an awful team. Twenty six wins coming out of the break. It would have been nice if like one of those games they could have really beat up on them. But you're right. I, I really shouldn't complain. I mean, they had who a fun knows? come from behind win against the co- Arizona. exactly. They did. We'll they did the Saturday that was, game. That was yeah. fun. That was fun. So you're right. I, I shouldn't, Matt, I really shouldn't Homer. complain. Beggars really should not be choosers. Who knows how many more wins we're going to see out of this team going forward this season. There, there, there shouldn't be any complaining about wins. You are 100% correct. I really should not complain. Hey, who knows? So, the Cubs got, as we mentioned, Cubs got Arizona this weekend. White Sox are, pl- or excuse me, Brewers are playing the White Sox. There's a chance, man, to uh, who knows what goes on after this weekend. You know, there, there's always a possibility for the right ingredients to come together and get some really strange chemistry as the season goes on. Uh, but Ronan, you, you said it earlier, we are 10 days away from, I'm sorry, nine days away. It is on the 30th this year, nine days away from the trade deadline. Nonsense. And I am, I'm ready. I'm ready for it to be over. I'm ready for whatever's going to happen to happen. And we can move on with whoever's going to be sticking around later this season. I'm with you, Randall. That, that's certainly where I'm at now. Um, and we're going to go through some names here in a minute. It's time for us to put some predictions out there. Just lay it all out because names could be going any day now. I already see Jock in an Atlanta Braves uniform. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to getting past the deadline and just sort of seeing, OK, what's the roster for the final 58, 59 games of the season? Who are we going to see? Because there's still a lot of interesting things to watch in the second half of the year, even if the playoffs, Jeremy, you're not ready to punt yet on the season, but even if the playoffs aren't in the big picture for the Cubs, like Ian Happ's development, the second half of the year is going to be very important for next season. Adbert's definitely going to be worth watching. Nico's going to be worth watching, but the guys who maybe don't get traded of the group that is rumored to be traded, the Rizzo, the Bryant, the Baez, uh, Wilson Contreras, like what are they going to give us in the second half of the season and who of those fit into the plan for next year so a lot of compelling things I think that Trevor Williams I hope yesterday that was the last time we see him pitch for the Cubs I don't think there's anything there uh Jake 
just remains away from the team. So that is what that is. Let's let some of these younger pitchers from Iowa come up, see what's there and really start looking ahead to next season, um, which they should be very competitive as early as next season. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at. I want to get through the trade deadline, see who's on the roster because it is a little exhausting when you get through every two minutes, someone comes out of the game with an injury or whatever, and everything blows up. That gets a little bit tiring. And uh, we're about a week away from that going away. Uh, Ronan, uh, to your point, Bryant comes out of the game last night on Tuesday night, uh, uh, just an inning or two after making a dive and catch in the outfield. And it seems like every time he's dove for a ball this year, he's ended up coming out of the game with soreness or fatigue or just kind of general malaise. And everybody knows that. But of course, people can't help themselves. Bryant comes out of the game and immediately it's a quote unquote hug watch. It's, you know, it's part of the game. It's all part of being a fan but I'm very ready for it to be over. It's a little excessive sometimes. Uh, I'm very ready for, I'm very ready for whatever deals are going to be made to go ahead and happen. Yeah. I, you know, last, especially since earlier this year, uh, excuse me, a few weeks ago, Brian had to miss a few games with the hamstring injury prior to the all-star break. So, you know, he didn't really sit out for a long period of time. So it wouldn't be unexpected that he probably still has some issues with that hamstring, uh, you know, aching a little bit. And that that's actually something that's somewhat interesting because he's sitting out tonight, although the Cubs claim that he might have probably would have sat out already. But that's something that you would think has to factor into any team that would be looking to trade for him. I mean, if he had a... Uh, if who knows what uh, last night could have been, but if he had some actual injury, he missed like if he was going to miss like a couple of weeks. Would a team want to trade for that? I don't know. Maybe they would because they would think he's coming back, you know, but maybe not. That would, you know, it would definitely put uh, a dent in any value he has. So I, I would think for the Cubs, they would want him to be healthy. So they would want to uh, showcase him because any team looking to trade for him, if they think he's hurt, they're not going to give him, they're going to, you know, try, they're going to use any excuse they can to try to drive value down. So that, that, that should be, and there's actually a lot of guys on this Cubs roster that I, you know, other teams could use, could be useful parts that aren't people we're talking about. Uh, you know, Jake Marisnik, a, a guy who's, he's, he's not going anywhere next uh, on this Cubs team, probably next year. I mean, he's a free agent. He's a guy, if somebody wanted to acquire a backup outfielder, why wouldn't they be interested in that? You know, as Randall mentioned in the previous weeks, there's no more waiver uh, deadline, waiver deadline. So there's a lot of parts on this team that the Cubs might move, even if it doesn't mean they're moving the top guys. Jeremy, you're talking about injuries too. I just got to wonder, was I the only one last night with Kimbrell out there kind of like, oh, just every time he throws the ball, like just don't, I don't want to see anything pop. I don't want to see anything tear. Like, Kimbrel's going to go. We've all sort of agreed on that. It's he's, he might be the most valuable player available right now for teams that are in the playoff hunt, but I'm holding my breath every time he's on the mound. Like just don't hurt anything. You just, just get through it, please. Yeah. Ronan, you make an excellent point. Every time any of these potential trade candidates goes out there, you're, you're just hoping that they gave, they get through the game or get through the outing healthy because the last thing you want to see is Kimbrell goes out there and he has a bad outing or he, he tears something, pops something, hurts something while on the mound. And all of a sudden your plan for potentially restocking going forward is completely torpedoed. So that, that could be a very interesting dynamic. Uh, you come up with a, a save situation close to the deadline. Kimbrell's maybe close to being moved or there's a couple of deals circling around. You got a one run lead and Ross doesn't call for his closer. He puts somebody else out there and you're wondering, is he hurt? Do they not want him to get hurt? Is there a deal? So it's, it's, 
a lot of undercurrent underneath the surface of the water right here this time of year when you see a guy go out there or more specifically not go out there you wonder what's going on and well, I, I think I, it's- oh, yeah i'm just gonna say i would think that they would want kimberl out there unless any deal would be close to happening because they would want to he, him to be out there showcase because if he's not out there then people will start asking questions why he's not out there so i i, I to me i just was excited to see craig kimbrell again in the cubs uniform so i'm just rooting for him as many times as i can in cubs uniform i think someone too like kimbrell like teams will excuse a blown save here yeah. at this point i mean the thing that you don't want to see is the velocity down three or four miles per hour or something like that in fact he's sort of due to blow a save at this point it's been a long time since he's had a bad outing uh, if he's had any this season his era is under like 0.4 at this point or something like that so he has been so so consistent it's fine if he goes out even and has a blown save i don't think that that's going to destroy his value it's the health of a player like that that um that's going to be the determining factor. So in this window we have here, the purgatory, if you will, Randall, for the next nine days or so, just stay healthy. Please stay healthy. And wherever Kimbrel goes, we were sort of texting about this last night. I hope he gets a real chance at winning a world championship because he has been such a pleasure to watch. And what a turnaround. A guy that at this point, a year, year and a half ago, you're thinking he's done. He's cooked. Career's over. There's nothing left there. He has revitalized himself this season, and I think it's worth celebrating. So I hope he goes to the American League. Put him on a team out in the American League. Randall, last night you said Oakland. That sounds good. I'd love to see the A's win a World Series with Kimbrel getting the final save. It's better than some other teams that are floating around right now. So I just hope for health, and I'm holding my breath every time he's on the mound. Rona, you used purgatory. That's a that's a great word because as I'm I'm listening to you and I'm loading up, I'm thinking you're you're stuck in this gray area. You don't want to hide him, uh, but you also don't want to overuse him and risk damaging the trade value. You're, you're stuck in this this purgatory, this trade, this you know, this this gray area, and that's just not where you want to be as a team. It's not fun. It's a lot more fun to speculate on who your team might bring in than who your team is going to send out. And this is the first time that we as Cubs fans have dealt with this since 2014, because every year since then, they've been buyers to some degree. So I I don't especially miss it. And I hope that going forward, we have to experience this considerably less. Randall, I heard an interesting stat in the broadcast last night. I don't know if you caught it or Jeremy, if you caught it, the Cubs, where they stand today, they are uh, as far back from first place in the National League Central as in the 2015 season. And that's interesting because you think of 2015, they won 97 games. They got to the postseason. They ended up in the final four in the National League Championship Series. But um, JD mentioned that, I think, in the broadcast last night. And I was expecting him to say 2014, but to hear 2015 was sort of jarring with a team that ended up sort of kicking off this fun run we've seen for the last six years or so. Yeah, I mean, the the Cubs had a great end of that season. And also the, the Cardinals got off to a huge... Uh, just they won like a hundred games that year, and it was just, they weren't losing <laughs> at all. And then the Cubs closed pretty fast. But uh, even in 2014, if I if I don't recall, the Cubs uh, actually didn't make a trade to acquire some talent from uh, Boston. Uh, um, they got uh, what's his name, uh, the pitcher. Now I'm I can't I'm blanking on his name. Uh, we mentioned him a few weeks ago, but uh, who who didn't make it and never really contributed as a Cub. But uh, I, I just think with Kimbrel, you guys are talking, I think you just use him as you normally would use him. I think that's what teams are looking for that would want to acquire him. I don't think you're, you 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 hold off on him if it's a safe situation and you you have him out that you bring Craig Kimbrel in the game because teams want to see Craig Kimbrel be Craig Kimbrel. They don't, uh, they don't want you, to see him. 
Would you pitch him back to back days? Would you pitch him back to back days? I, I mean, it depends. I mean, I guess it depends on the situation, but I, I think you, you would, I think you, you would just use him as you use him. I think I, I, I cause he's going to be used in that manner for any team that acquires him. So I think they want to see him be used in a normal manner. I think holding him off, you know, I, I, I just don't think you would do that. I, I think you just generally use a guy the way you use him, as, as I've said a couple times now. Jeremy, I believe the pitcher whose name you were looking for, one Felix Dubron. Yeah, Felix Dubron. Who, oh. who was acquired from the Red Sox for a player to be named later in July of 2014. And I believe he was a number 22 in his time as, the Cub, mm. as a Cub. So, uh, of course, I have to respect that. Uh, all right, we're going to move on now to what we like to call the lightning round, the rapid fire. We are going to name uh, a number of Cubs who are potential trade candidates. And off the top of your head, you are going to answer traded or not. So Ronan, we will start with you. And the uh, individual or the first player, Javi Baez. Will not be traded. Jeremy. Also say not be traded. All right, Chris Bryant, Jeremy. Whoa, 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 Randall. Come on, you got to get in this too. Give All us right. your thoughts as well. Uh, Baez, no, not traded. All right, uh, Chris Bryant, I will begin. Traded. Jeremy. I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be different. I'm gonna say no. All right, all right. And Ronan. I am afraid Chris Bryant will be traded. All right. Anthony Rizzo, Ronan. No, not traded. All right. I'm gonna say not traded. Jeremy. I'm gonna say not traded. All right. Craig Kimbrell, the easy one. Jeremy. Yes. Yes. And he gone. Yes. He gone. Okay. Uh some interesting names to go on here. Andrew Chafin, the great left-handed reliever. Jeremy, what do you think? Yes. Chafin will be traded. Ronan, what do you think? He gone. Yeah, I have to agree. I think you have to maximize the value on him. Ryan Tapera, his fellow setup man. Ronan? I don't think so. All right. Jeremy? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go no. And then a wild card. I'm going to toss it to you, and you are simply going to throw out the name of another Cub whom we did not mention. Naming Jock Peterson is cheating, by the way, so don't even think about it. Uh, you're going to name another Cub whom we did not mention just now, and you're going to say uh, – I presume traded, but that is up to you. So Ronan, what do you think? Oh man, this is, I guess there's so many names bouncing in my head. I, I think Jeremy had a good one earlier with Mariznick uh, before we got into the segment. Um, but a name that we haven't named who's likely to be traded. I don't want to say Wilson Contreras because I really want him to stick around. And I love the leadership he's been showing in the last two weeks, even if he's been calling out his teammates and things, he's been kicking ass on the field. This so is one hell of fun. a rapid fire round, by the way. Hey, hey, put me on the spot here. Uh, I will go with Dylan Maples. Ooh, interesting. That's a very interesting answer. Very yeah. interesting answer. Jeremy, who's your wild card name in our rapid fire round tonight? Uh, Zach Davies. I think Zach Davies gets traded. I think that that's a real good answer. Uh, I'm going to snipe one of your answers from earlier. I'm going to say Jake Marisnik. I think that some team looking for a bench piece is going to uh, trade him something to him, something to the Cubs for him. And I think the Cubs will fill that roster spot with Michael Hermosillo uh, playing at AAA. One of Jeremy's guys, a former Illini commit. Yeah, all the way from Ottawa, Illinois. But just to commit, he, he never went. Well, he signed out of high school to to play ah, professional so. baseball. So he does he get on the line? Then he was actually committed to play baseball and football. He he counts. If you if you if you sign a national letter of intent to go play football and baseball to the University of Illinois, but you don't Illinois, go. You're not in the line. He's, he's not an official line, but he's an line. Uh, part of the Illini nation. We we get, I'll include him. The Illini baseball nation. Are you not going to include Randall. Colson Montgomery, the White Sox kid, who they just drafted no. in the first round? No, no I include that's a big Kyle no. Kyle Schwarber. That's a big yes. 
I include Joey Gerber. That's a big yes. All right. Well, we will we'll save the debate for whether he counts as an Illini commit for another time. Maybe we'll devote a whole segment to it. Maybe you have some opinions on the subject out there. Tweet us at BTYL podcast. What do you think? Does he count as an Illini commit or well, any I other mean, thoughts you might commit. have? You that, that's that's a that's does a he count? Does he count he, as part of baseball I mean, Illini nation? Is the well, question. I mean, he's not going to be like a University of Illinois alum, but I'm just saying as an Illini, he's in part of the Illini family. But he never went. He like he, he's like he committed to a date and then said, oh, "I got other plans." That's eh, no good. That doesn't count. Hey, he got offered money out of high school. We, we I'm not. If you, I don't blame to, him for going pro. I just if you went to a different school. Sure, but a professional athlete. You know, I take him. I'll take him. I, I'll give you Josh Smith, the basketball player, who went to Atlanta. Well, this is speaking this is, of. Speaking of basketball players, touchy subject here. Speaking of basketball players, hey, anytime you get a line eye Indiana, we like to uh, just like the bash out of just out of nowhere. He just comes in hot, just just always trashing the line eye. I'm 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 like a well prepared pinch hitter, like a Tommy Listella, where I'm just waiting, and when my time is called, I drive the ball into the outfield. They end up on second base. Talking about basketball, I I learned something today. No one, no one has ever accused you of not knowing exactly when to find something to poke at. It is in fact, one of your, your great pinch hitting skills. It's a skill. It's, it's a, a skill. It is a, a practice poker. skill. So talking about basketball players, Ronan. Bobby Portis is an NBA champion. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when he was a, a bull making crazy eyes uh, every, every five minutes each night, you, you didn't see that coming because you knew it wasn't going to happen with the bulls. But yeah, good for him. You know, I, I I really have to grit my teeth in congratulating anybody peripheral to the Bucks because all their fans are Packers fans and Brewers fans. So I really, really got to grit my teeth here. But, you know, Giannis is one of the game's great players and great individuals. You can't not be happy for him. And yeah, Bobby Portis, former first round pick of the Bulls, good for him too. So, you know, I, I don't know that I'm mature enough and objective enough to say congratulations to the Bucks, but congratulations to certain individuals in that organization. I, I thought it was pretty cool. I, I have no real dog in the fight in the NBA anymore. Uh, even the Bulls don't. It, it appears like they're rebuilding. They're investing. Apparently, they got a nice GM, and things are sort of turning in the right direction. Great. Really not all that interested. I watched about five minutes of the NBA season this year. It was the last five minutes of the game last night, which was going on during that ninth inning of the Cubs game. So it was cool to kind of have both of those uh, happening simultaneously. But, you know, 50 years since the title, like, what's it going to take for the Milwaukee Bucks to win an NBA championship? They sort of land an elite player who happens to stick around. So good for them. I think it's good. It's good for the NBA to have a winner, not in just Los Angeles or one of, you know, Miami or San Francisco, all the other places that have won the last couple of years. I think it's kind of cool. And you know what? Those Brewer fans... Until the Brewers do anything, they've got nothing to chirp at us about. Talk about a franchise that hasn't won anything. The Milwaukee Brewers. So there's fans. Enjoy your cheese. Enjoy your brats. Enjoy your NBA title. But if you want to talk baseball, you got nothing. You got nothing on the Cubs. No history of success there in Milwaukee. That's true. Because you hear Brewers fans, they'll come at you, oh, 108 years since a World Series championship. One world championship every 100 years. Where is your world championship? There is none. There's one damn pennant. So leave well, it be. Yeah, well, don't leave look for be. Harvey's wall bangers over there. No. No. And I think Milwaukee's a fine baseball city. I think their fan base, I, they draw well. Miller Park or AmFan, whatever it's called now, is a good facility for what they're trying to do there in Milwaukee. But 
you can't chirp if you know you haven't won anything, and the Brewers haven't won anything since they've been in Milwaukee. They do a lot of chirping, and often that chirping sounds like moo. So no matter what happens, the season does go on and the Cubs do come back to Wrigley this weekend. They will face the Diamondbacks, who they just saw in the uh, very warm climbs of Arizona not all that long ago. The Cubs have yet to announce their starting pitchers for the weekend series, but they will face the right-hander Zach Gallen on Friday. They will face the righty Merrill Kelly, who uh, did a pretty good job of shutting them down this past Sunday on Saturday. And they'll face the left-handed starting pitcher Caleb Smith on Sunday. And again, the Cubs have not announced their rotation for that series. Part of it is the fact that it's still a couple days away. And you do wonder if there's going to be some movement, if Davies might go, and that would uh, change the rotation plans a little bit. But as always, we are fortunate to have the weather report for this upcoming series provided, as always, by Alexander Hall of Cubs Weather, whom you can find on Twitter at Alexander Hall and at Cubs Weather. So for this weekend series versus Arizona, Alexander describes the series vibe as, and Ronan, you'll appreciate this. This is the exact weather you grill in. I think Ooh. I'm reaching for brats in this air mass. What about you guys? It'll be a muggy midsummer weekend in the Midwest. Storms will be scattered, but the ones that pop up could be strong to severe. For the traditional 120 Friday start, it will be temperatures in the upper 80s with a light breeze out to center field or a light lake breeze. It might be variable with an outside outside shot at a thunderstorm during the game. Saturday, also a 120 start temperatures in the low 90s with a heat index approaching 100 degrees. No, thank you. It'll be muggy with a slight chance for a shower or a thunderstorm. And then Sunday, also, surprisingly enough, a 120 start. Temperatures will remain in the low 90s with a variable light breeze potentially blowing in and another outside shot at a thunderstorm. So a pretty typical late July weekend shaping up here in Chicago. We move ahead to next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The Cincinnati Reds come into town. And the series vibe is that there is some uncertainty here because we are a little further out in the forecast period than we normally do, which happens depending on when we record. And depending on what happens with the smaller scale storms on Sunday, it could impact where the storms set up early in the week. Ronan, I know you're a big weather guy. That can happen. Storms can come through and they actually take the energy from the atmosphere and make it more difficult for storms to develop down the line or downstream. So I know you're a big weather guy. I know you enjoy hearing that. But generally, there will be a brief break in the high humidity sometime early in the week, followed by a return of more humid air for the remainder. So if you're thinking about heading out to the series against Cincinnati next week, here's what you can expect in the abstract. Monday night, a 7.05 start. It'll be temperatures in the mid-80s to start with a light breeze in from right field. Tuesday night, another 7.05 mid-80s to start the game with a light breeze out to center field and a slight chance for a shower or a thunderstorm. Wednesday night, another 7.05 start. Temperatures will be in the mid-80s to begin the ball game with another light breeze out to center field. And then finally, a good old-fashioned day getaway game at Wrigley Field Thursday at 1.20. It'll be mostly cloudy with temperatures in the mid-80s and a light breeze out to left field. So if you are thinking about heading out to a game at Wrigley uh, in the short term. It seems like the Cincinnati series might be your better bet. It'll be a little cooler, a little less humid, and at the moment, a little lower chance for rain. But of course, anybody who lives in Chicago knows that on any humid afternoon in the summer, you are uh, you always have the chance for a, a, what they call a pop-up thunderstorm or two. So keep that in mind as you are buying your tickets. Maybe you're getting out to Wrigley thinking it might be the last time you see a given player, which I feel like a lot of people 
uh, might be doing as far as their ticketing. So if you're thinking about that, that is your forecast for the next two series. So thank you as always to Alexander Hall, friend of the podcast. Find him on Twitter at Alexander Hall and find his Chicago Cubs weather Twitter account at Cubs weather. Alexander always doing great job, uh, great work forecasting the weather for the Cubs at Cubs weather. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous too. Oh, thank you too. Uh, really good weather there. Um, always love the thunderstorm. Don't love the rain delays. Hate seeing games get, get interrupted when the starting pitchers come out. You know, it kind of messes everything up. But uh, do love some rain and we really need it here in Denver. So maybe you can push some of that this way. Um, kind of hit me though. The Cubs are going to be here pretty soon. First week of August, they're in Denver. And I'm a little nervous about maybe what those lineups and rosters are going to look like. But that's kind of all part of it. Um, before we move on from the Diamondbacks, so there was one player there, Randall, that I did want to mention. This is a bad team. There's no doubt about it. This is a team that is going to lose a lot more baseball games the rest of the way. Hopefully the Cubs take two or, or three uh, this weekend. But they've got an interesting starter on Friday, Zach Gallen. He's a young right-hander, just 25 years old, a former one of the top draft picks of the St. Louis Cardinals. He's bounced around a little bit. He's been in the Marlin system. He's been traded for a couple of Pretty interesting players, Marcelo Zuna being one of them, uh, Jazz Chisholm most recently in the trade that sent him out to Arizona. He struggled this year a little bit with longevity in games. He had a couple of outings with like fewer than four innings pitched, but a high strikeout guy. He was sort of cruising against the Cubs last weekend before they were able to get to him in the sixth inning. So one of those players that I think we're going to be hearing a lot about Zach Allen over the next, I don't know, half decade here in the National League. I think he's going to have a lot of success in this league. And uh, just one of those players that when you're looking at a bad team like Arizona, there's always a couple of nuggets there, guys that are going to stick around or put together some compelling things. And I think their starter Friday is one worth watching over the next couple of years, but I hope Cubs beat the piss out of him on Friday, knock the ball out of Wrigley field. I do think though, he's got a promising career ahead of him. Yeah. Gallon's an interesting yeah, guy uh, from the university of North Carolina. So uh, the diamondbacks definitely, uh, you know, an interesting team and they have some decent pitching as Randall said last week, uh, Merrill Kelly uh, pitched pretty well against the Cubs. And, and I, I've always been a fan of Carson Kelly on the, uh, that the Diamondbacks got from, uh, St. Louis, another guy from St. Louis. I think he was uh he's been a stud for them since uh you know part of the Goldschmidt trade. Unfortunately, Luke Luke Weaver, the other uh guy they got in that trade, has had some arm issues. When he first came out, he was dominant. And it looked like kind of to me like Dynamax got some pretty good talent back for Paul Goldschmidt because Carson Kelly was hitting the ball hard and Luke Weaver was dominating. So Dynamax have some talent, but you know, I would expect they've been terrible on the road against the and yep. uh, against the Cubs. Hopefully, the Cubs are able to take care of business like everybody else has against Arizona. Yeah, yeah. The, the you know the Diamondbacks not a particularly good team. We're not we're not breaking any news here. Uh, Twenty nine wins going into play tonight. Uh, Ronan uh, Merrill Kelly, who did a pretty good job against the Cubs last week, he's another interesting guy to watch. He is actually. Uh, of the three pitchers we mentioned, he actually has the lowest ERA plus at 94. If you are not familiar with ERA plus our listeners, it's uh, an adjusted cumulative stat. 100 is league average. If you are below that, you are that many percentage points below average as a pitcher. Uh, but his FIP is 3.89 to go with his 4.46 ERA. So he might be his, the numbers might suggest that he is due slightly better results than what his team maybe the defense behind him has provided him he's another interesting arm to watch because he has a number of years of team control left i believe another three and a half years of team control 
any team out there sniffing around for starting pitching, the Mets, the Phillies, anybody who needs another arm in that rotation, they might be inclined to go to the Diamondbacks, a team who is probably not uh, married to the idea of Merrill Kelly, and uh, give them a couple prospects for a dependable arm. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It's not just the Cubs. It's not just the Cubs who have uh, pieces to sell. A lot of other teams do, and it's it's all a connected tapestry. And if the Cubs weren't one of those sellers, it would be really interesting to watch because it's, right this year, the Cubs have some of the names, the biggest names that are most likely to go. That's not always the case. Sometimes at a trade deadline, there aren't necessarily great names that are willing to go or ready to go. Uh, so it'll be an interesting trade deadline to watch, and a team like the D-backs could be active. You know what else Merrill Kelly has going for him, Randall? Tell me, Ronan. He sounds like an investment company. Go to Maybe Merrill, Merrill Lynch, yeah. Go to Merrill Kelly for all your annuity needs. That's, that's an excellent point, Ron. It sounds like the sort of thing that would be advertising for uh, advertising during a, a really big broadcast, a national broadcast, because they've got their name all over it. Let's see where this one goes. Jeremy. Yes. What do you think Randall J. Sanders sounds like? Ah, uh, well, you know, if we're going to go with the, the similar name, you know, uh, I, I think he sounds like a guy who's going to be selling you some uh, nice chicken from the South. Oh, like a fried chicken seller. Yeah. Like a little, you know, this special recipe. Yeah, I was going to say I would need a military rank for that. But, you know, that, that hey, would be Kentucky Colonel isn't a military rank. I bet Randall would make some pretty good fried chicken if he uh, if he dabbled in that. You know, I've, I've looked into that making fried chicken. There's a lot going on there. You got to mix the uh, the dredge. You got to make sure your oil is a certain temperature. I don't know that that's I don't know that that's entirely for me because there's a lot of steps in that. And if you do it wrong, it can go very, very wrong. I'm an individual who likes to cook on occasion. I don't know that fried chicken is for me. I think there's take too a many risk steps Randall, in that. sometimes, you know, it doesn't turn out well. You try it again. You just get better at it. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll do a segment right. on cook. We'll do a segment on recipes some other time, and I'll let you know. I'll let you know if I'm going to try the fried chicken recipe. Uh, concerts are returning to Wrigley later this summer, and uh, it might be some of the more interesting things to happen at Wrigley later this summer, depending how the roster looks. I'm not a big concert guy, and I've certainly never been to a concert at Wrigley, but I know the two of you have uh, had your experiences at Wrigley attending concerts. Jeremy, I'll kick it to you first. Uh, what are some of the concerts you've been to at Wrigley? Well, at Wrigley, I've been to, uh, let's see, I, I went to Paul McCartney, had a nice show at uh, Wrigley. I've been to, uh, I was in the rooftops for a Bruce Springsteen show, which was fun. And then I've been to, uh, the only other concerts I think I've been to at Wrigley, I've been to five Pearl Jam shows there, so. Uh, which seems like a lot now, you know. <laughs> but, Is it the uh, most the top venue you've seen Pearl Jam at now, Wrigley Field? I mean, I guess it's a fine venue. Uh, I mean, I never really think of Wrigley as like a great venue to you know watch a concert at. I mean, it's a fun venue. It's a historic venue. It's a cool venue. Just I, because I meant of the most Cubs. frequent by top, oh, not the frequent. best. Like if you've seen them five times at Wrigley, is that the most you've seen? them anywhere or any band anywhere is it five probably. times Pearl Jam at Wrigley yeah probably wow. I mean I mean that's the last they've only played Wrigley uh in the last 10 years every time they've come to Chicago it's only been Wrigley Ronan, I'm with I know you though that it is not a it's not a music venue no you know Wrigley Field is cool from a concert perspective for about 20 minutes when you walk into the ballpark you see the old scoreboard you see the stage if you've got field tickets that's cool a lot of people otherwise never get the experience of standing on the field at Wrigley and you're not actually on the grass you're on like a 
plastic platform, but that perspective from center field or from behind second base or something like that is something most of us don't get to experience too often. So that's cool. Um, another thing I don't like about concerts at Wrigley Field, I think it's slowly killing my favorite music venue in the world, and that's Alpine Valley up in East Troy, Wisconsin. Uh, basically, a lot of the shows that used to be two-nighters there have been funneled to either Wrigley Field or Northerly Island, neither of which are really good music venues. Meg's Field. Um, uh, the old Meg's Field, yeah, a place that uh, has uh, – they just – they – they're messing up big time with what they're trying to do with that concert venue. It's very, very poorly put together. It's not a good place to listen to music. Um, but Randall, I've seen quite a few shows at Wrigley Field, although most of them kind of reflecting back on it were before the move out here. That's sort of put a damper in it in the last five or six years or so. Um, I saw Pearl Jam with Jeremy. That was an awesome night. I saw the Dave Matthews band a couple of times there. Uh, Jeremy, uh, you and I also went to see Roger Waters uh, do the oh, wall. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Wrigley that. Field. Oh, uh, that so, must have yeah, been. Yeah, that was like a great show. Maybe 2013. It might have been 2014. It was somewhere in that time yeah. we caught that. Um, I appreciate it. I'm glad I have seen concerts at Wrigley. But if you asked me, Ronan, would you rather see Pearl Jam or or Dave Matthews band or Fish or any of these places at Alpine Valley or Wrigley Field? it's always going to be Alpine Valley. It's a better experience for me. It's a place that's actually built for music. So I like Wrigley. I'm, I think it's, look, it is what it is. The team's going to make money off non-baseball events. My other complaint with concerts at Wrigley is when it actually tears up the playing surface. That kind of pisses me off that when you get into September, these are really critical games. You're just in front of the playoffs and now the outfield looks like crap and it's not in very good shape. Um, Grounds crew's gotten much better with that. I think that's becoming less of an issue as years go on, but it's still something that even aesthetically when the grass dies in the outfield, I hate seeing that on TV just so they could cram another Jimmy Buffett concert or something like that into Wrigley, but you're going to make money. I'm glad that Wrigley field gets a lot of use and maybe that brings people into the ballpark that otherwise wouldn't be there. And that's a cool thing because I do like Wrigley field as a venue and it's historical significance here in the city. Yeah, that's that's kind of my perspective on Wrigley concerts is what is it going to do to the field? You know, you can always tell when the concerts have been there because the the, the stage leaves an imprint on the outfield and there are some browned patches. Uh, sometimes they have to just paint over that. They just take green paint Oof. and they, they they paint over those those barren patches. And, you know, the outfielders are sometimes outspoken about that they'll talk about how they're they're out there playing center field and they have to deal with these patches of dead grass because there was a stage there two days prior so uh yeah it's one of those things that the cubs were in contention um you'd worry about how it affects the outfield play because every play counts if you're coming down the stretch and you're in a tight division or a tight wild card race you don't want to miss a fly ball because as you said jimmy buffett was standing out there in center field not all that long ago Ronan, you've seen a pretty diverse list of acts at Wrigley Field. Mm. Who put on the best show that you've seen at Wrigley Field? Man, that's tough. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm give it to Pearl Jam, and I'll say that for a couple of reasons. One, it you knew it meant a lot to Eddie Vedder standing up on that stage. Ernie Banks came out. This was just before he passed. Uh, there was a huge thunderstorm before the concert started. So it just was really a memorable night. I think that concert ended, Jeremy, around 2 in the morning. Or, or something. during the concert. Yeah, you're right, actually. The concert after, started like, the and then the storm song. came in. Right. You're, yeah, you're, you're right. Um, but the concert actually came to a close around 1.32 in the morning, something like that. And I don't know that I've ever been in Wrigley Field that late uh, in my life. So that was pretty cool to see. So I'll give them that. I will say for Dave Matthews' band, 
a song that I had heard in the past, but a song that they rarely play was something that going into that weekend, they played two nights at Wrigley Field in September of 2010, closing their summer tour. I really wanted to hear this song. They closed night two with this song that they had written back in 1998. So that was pretty cool for me. One of my favorite songs of theirs. They rarely play it. I've heard it maybe two or three times ever in almost 20 years of going to see those guys play. So to hear it at Wrigley, to close out a weekend, that was neat. Something not so neat about that weekend, there was a failed attempt to detonate a bomb outside of the Sluggers bar just before night two concert. The uh, person who tried to do that, it was an FBI sting. They got that guy arrested, but I was pre-gaming at Sluggers before that game. And when we found the news out later, it was just one of those things. It's like, you just never know. You've got no control over, over any of it. So go out, live your life, go to concerts, have fun. Some horrible things could have happened in the city of Chicago that night as someone tried to do some bad things in Wrigleyville. Fortunately, it ended up not happening. He's going to spend the rest of his life in jail, but uh, kind of scary to think about it. And again, it just reinforces that go out, live your life, especially now sort of post pandemic, get yourself back out there and enjoy it because you just don't know. You don't know what's coming next and uh, you don't want to regret those things. I wish I had gone to that show. I wish I had seen that, that game or gotten those tickets. Um, just make it happen and, and sort of figure it out. Enjoy the ride. That's not the time that they uh, had a little dump over the Chicago river. Oh man. No, no, no. That was about six years before that. Okay. And uh, yeah, that was, that one will never ever go away in this city well when you're uh, on an architecture tour and you're looking up and you're pointing out all the big buildings you got your mouth up Ooh, look at that one you don't want uh, some stuff coming down when one of the band's most popular songs is called don't drink the water it just sort of writes itself at that point so Ronan, you mentioned the pearl jam concert you were at i, I believe i rescued you from yes. the Howard CTA station that night. You were coming back pretty late. The trains were still running, but the yellow line was shut down at that point. I think the purple line may have been shut down that late at night too. Your phone was dead. Mm -hmm. I, I was supposed to pick you up, but I had no way of knowing where you might have taken the train. So I was driving from one red line stop to the other, and I was about to give up and, and try a different station. I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to circle back, and I'm going to try Howard one more time. And I drive up to Howard, and who do I see waiting there? None other than you. You had communicated with me telepathically somehow. You oh, yes. sent out. You had sent out that broadcast cast and you'd said randall if you can hear me come grab me at howard so that's that's my closest link to a wrigley field concert is uh receiving you telepathically and knowing where to pick you up after that delayed pearl jam show that night randall would you well, want to go to any concert there oh sorry you know i i don't know that i would uh i'm not real big on crowds and you know people out there are probably sitting upright and going you're not real big on crowds but you're a sports fan it's a little different at a baseball game than it is for a concert you know they're not all crowds are created equal. Um, I don't know that I ever would, but you know, I, who's to say the right opportunity won't come along. Somebody has an extra ticket somewhere. It's a real nice night. I'm not, I'm not going to say never. I am going to say I don't consider it a priority necessarily. It's fair. Yeah. So Jeremy, I know you've seen quite a few shows at Wrigley and I have a feeling Ronan and I both know the answer to this, but who's your number one act that you've seen at Wrigley? Um, well, well, probably, you know, Pearl Jam, but I don't know. I, I liked all the shows I saw. I mean, every show I've seen there, I've, I mean, I haven't gone to a show of somebody I wasn't interested in. Um, so, you know, Roger Waters was pretty cool. Bruce Springsteen was fun. It rained then too. Um, but I was on the rooftop. A lot of people left. I moved all the way down to the front because I wanted to see Bruce. 
you know, perform. And of course, you know, Eddie came out for that one as well. So that was pretty cool and special saying my hometown, which I thought was cool. And uh, Paul McCartney was great. Paul McCartney, it was like 115 degrees, felt like it was Arizona. Oof. And Paul McCartney, you know, 70 years old, he's rocking out there with like a jacket on. I don't, I didn't understand any of that, but he was just going nuts. He was, he was crazy. And I, I loved Paul. He, he, I thought he did an awesome job. And uh, so I, every show I've seen there has been pretty cool in a different way. Um, all the, all the musicians I've seen there have, have, you know, they, they've been pretty uh, legit. So, you know, Pearl Jam, obviously seen them five times. That'd probably be my number one. And you can add Eddie, as I said, at Bruce. So six times for Eddie. The act aside, have either of you ever been seated near or been able to see anything real interesting going on in the seats? Because, again, a concert crowd is real different than oh. a baseball crowd. I'll, I'll, let me tell you my favorite part of any fan at uh, – well, I've seen some things. But at the Pearl Jam show, uh, I want to say this is 2018 not exactly sure which show maybe the second night i'm sure it's on youtube one of the funniest or maybe it was the first night i think it might have been the first day one of the craziest things i've ever seen was some fan decided so the way they do it is you know they have all the the as ronan mentioned they have you know a bunch of people on the field as well so they have all these seats on the field but the infield they have like these fences around because you don't want people on the infield so like this one dude somehow jumped from the stands hopped over the fences these like fences not first of all he like knocked all the fences down because he didn't clear it so like the whole mm. thing went down went to third base and you could see all the security cars running decides he i'm sure it's on youtube decides from third base he runs home <laughs> slides into home like this is during the end of the show it might have been during while they're playing uh rocking the free roll it was like really at the end so all the lights are up he slides into home all the security guards converge on him and just Pummel into him right after Oof. he sent home. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It was pretty remarkable. I get the appeal to get that rush of crossing home plate, but I man, you're at a concert. Home. You're you're having a great time, and then you're gonna get your ass handed to you by some aggressive security guards. Come on, dude. That doesn't sound worth it. It just doesn't sound worth it. Yeah. He- you know, people people have real weird ideas of what's worth it and what isn't. Some people it's worth getting uh, dogpiled by security, thrown out of the ballpark forever because they get to uh, keep the memory, I suppose. Ronan, have you ever seen anything quite like that at a concert? Not at Wrigley. I mean, and it's also been now seven years, I think, since the last show I saw there. So the individuals, I remember at the Pearl Jam show, the fans around us, Jeremy, being memorable. I don't remember what for, though. I just remember there was something about him that was. Oh, uh... Well, the one the one dude to our right was like a college soccer coach. And his sister was one of the wives on the TV show, Bob Wives. Oh, and the random okay. thing. And they're from New Jersey, yeah, obviously. And the random thing was the people to our left were also from New Jersey and they knew each other like. And they just happened to randomly both be there. They were like acquaintances or they like, they're like, oh, you're what's her name's brother or whatever. They're like, yeah. And then they were like talking to each other the whole time. They knew each other, like knew all the same people. And then they were asking him all these questions about like his mob wife, his mob wife sister. And he was like talking about the show and how he hated it and all this stuff. It was pretty funny. Well, concert crowds are interesting and another sign that uh, slowly things are returning to what passes for normal, more concerts coming back to Wrigley this summer. So hopefully that's something else people can do to enjoy uh, the rest of the summer at Wrigley Field. 
Before we move towards bringing it home tonight, I want to bring up a name in the Cubs minor league system. And this is a name that you two discussed last week. That, of course, is the Cubs number two prospect, Brennan Davis, playing outfield for the double A Tennessee Smokies. He has hit another two home runs tonight. He is absolutely tearing up double A pitching, which is great to see. It feels a little bit like 2014 right now when the big league team wasn't up to much, but updates were coming in on Chris Bryant every night playing at triple uh, a Iowa, you know, you'd certainly prefer the big league team be competitive, but it's nice to know that there is big time talent down there in the minors uh, who is just raking and he's already been promoted from uh, high a South bend once this year. It's not out of the question that he could do a three level jump in one season and end up at Iowa later this year. I was just going to say the thing that I've been most impressed by is the opposite field power. He's hitting the ball out of the ballpark to right center field. He had one tonight. He had two home runs tonight. One of them just crushed out to right center field. Thinking of the home runs that he hit here at the Futures game, a bomb to center. He pulled the other one to left center field. But if you're a young power hitting outfielder and you're driving the ball the other way, that's a real good sign. So it, I don't know that it has the same vibes of 2014, but I see what you're getting at with that, Randall. And yes, it's exciting that the farm is beginning to produce some maybe significant players again here. And there hasn't been a ton of that since they've gotten really good. You know, Albert O'Mora never really put it together. He had a great tag up. Ian Happ, we've talked about his struggles. There's just been a little bit of a gap, I think, from the Javier Baez, the Chris Bryant, the Kyle Schwarber type run over for a couple of years. So um, I'm happy with Brendan Davis though. And I'm most impressed with his ability to go the other way and just drive the ball out of the ballpark. It's fun to see that on the farm. Yeah. And with Brent Davis, uh, I, I believe he got off to kind of uh, like uh, not, I'm not saying performance wise, but a slow start to this year because I think he might've been hurt or something, which he didn't really start the season, which is part of the reason why he started in low way. I feel like he was kind of moving his way up because uh, I felt like he probably should have been in, uh, you know, or excuse me, high A, double A to begin with. Um, but yeah, I, I love Brandon Davis because here's the reason I love him is because he was kind of a raw guy, a basketball player. I think he had an injury coming out of high school. Didn't really, a lot of teams are like, we don't like that swing. He had this funky kind of swing and the Cubs basically molded him. They built up his swing. They, and he has this great quick swing now. And as you say, he can go the other way and, and it's very short. And I, I like it because it, it shows actual work the Cubs put in and developing this guy like they developed him he was not a guy that like he he's not I mean he was a high draft pick he was in the second round pick but he's not the number two trick in the draft like Chris Bryant who everybody kind of knew would be I mean they didn't know he'd be as good as he was but everybody like had a very high rating on him coming out of college he was going to be a top five pick in the draft no matter what and you know this is a guy that they found they liked they they liked his talent they they developed him and he's moving his way up. I think Fangraphs even up to his grade uh, earlier today, I think I saw. And he's like now uh, on their board, he's like number 17 overall, which is pretty big, a pretty big, you know, going up to being a top 25 prospect. I think he's going to jump up even higher. So on, on a lot of other teams, uh, or excuse me, on a lot of other uh, publications lists as they update in the midseason and the after the season. So it's nice to have a guy like that, a real guy you can kind of pin your hat on in the organization, Brian Davis. Randall, look at a couple of years later, another name that stood out to me in the last week. I, I want to throw this out there. Owen Casey, the uh, young 19-year-old Canadian, the big power outfielder that they got as part of that Darvish trade, reports out of Arizona, very encouraging about what he's showing. Um, also saw some pictures of him. He's a beast. Yeah. When he puts on some weight as he gets a little bit older, he's going to be huge. I think that 
maybe the Cubs got something interesting here in Owen Casey. And at least the early reports we're getting out of Arizona is that he's really driving the ball and he's looking like a good ball player. A Canadian beast. That's called a Wendigo. So watch out, Arizona Complex League. Randall, yeah, now, I don't even know what a Wendigo is. Yeah, but also Preciado is uh, dominating as well in uh, Arizona Complex League. You look at the Cubs' uh, three and four hitters there, and Preciado and Casey, they both have huge numbers. And so it's nice to see them getting something back for the Darvish trade. Two guys that have a lot of talent but very raw. So they'll be a little while, but it, it seems like they're working out so far. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about it all winter. It's not that the players they got back for Darvish were bad. There's a lot of great talent and a lot of great promise there. It's just that they're so young that it's going to take time to see them develop. But we're already seeing the early stages of that. You can't be uh, a great player in the higher minor leagues if without being a great player in the low minors, and we're seeing that now. So hopefully, as the years go on, we keep talking about these guys as they move up the ladder, and hopefully they can make it to the Cubs someday and make a big impact. And importantly, the farm system is trending the right direction. It was depleted. A lot of really good talent matriculated to the major leagues. The Cubs played good baseball. So they were getting lower draft picks. And by lower, I mean, you know, closer to 30, not up towards the, the top five or so where you're getting really elite college and high school talent. So this is a good thing for the Cubs. The farm system is going in the right direction. And it's filling out across multiple levels. You've got interesting talent in double A all the way down to Arizona right now. And that's what you want. You don't want it all just stacked in one place. But again, because I, I think the Cubs can be competitive as early as next season while also reinforcing the farm. And that will be win-win and really something to watch these next couple of months. I'm not optimistic that this team's going to make the playoffs. I don't think that's in the cards this year. So let's get back some good talent here at the deadline. Let's reinforce that farm system. And let's see what of, of what's left here between Iowa and this team can do something interesting over the final two months of the year and maybe earn a spot or at least earn a good tryout in spring training next year for the squad. And I'm looking forward to watching that. It's not the same as watching a team compete for a division championship and a pennant in a World Series, but there's some interesting things to watch here still, and it's going to have my attention until uh, Fields has taken over for the Bears here in September. Yeah, you know, Ronan, uh, an organization with the resources that the Cubs have, with the monetary resources, with the clout that they have, you should never really need to completely rebuild. You should have the money to constantly bring in useful free agents, and you should have the resources to develop enough players in the minor leagues that you can either promote them and they can be productive for your team, or you can use them as trade chips to bring in other pieces you need. And that's, I think, what the Cubs need to do. That's what they did during their run of success. They were getting help from their minor leagues either as players or as trade chips and they were spending money and they need to get back to that because they haven't really done either of those things in the last few seasons you haven't really developed or promoted any impact players in the minor leagues and of course they've been I don't want to say they haven't spent money because it's not completely true but they have not spent enough money and they haven't spent it wisely enough so hopefully this can be the start of one of those legs and hopefully next year can be the start of getting back to spending money properly and we don't have to go through another prolonged rebuild because I don't think anybody has the appetite for that. Well, and I know Tom Ricketts is, doesn't love to spend money. Uh, unless, he likes to make money. He likes to make lots of money in different places. But I think the Cubs are going to end up saving some money here on Rizzo. I think that he's going to end up being cheaper than he would have cost if they had extended him before this season. I think the same thing actually about Javier Baez. I think that he is going to end up sticking around. I do think they're going to work out an extension with Javi. And I think it's going to be less money than it would have been than let's say they had done this um, 
you know, even even last year pre-pandemic, I know they were close to something with Javi and it didn't really work out. So this may end up helping the Cubs in that sense that both Rizzo and Baez are going to be a little bit cheaper. There's going to be no discount for KB, though. So we'll see what he does on an open market. Um, as I do, again, think he's going to be traded here in the next week. And that sucks because I love KB, yeah. um, but, it, it you know, he's been a great Cub. And uh, he also has a ton of value and it would be interesting to see what he would get in this 2021 trade market. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a, a ridiculous uh, week coming up. We don't know what's going to happen. And, and I, this, this week is, is really going to put, you know, the Cubs future. We'll, we'll see where they go from here. Cause as you're talking about building the farm system, it's obviously something they're going to want to do. And so they can really make, uh, uh, you know, a big improvement. Well, not a big improvement necessarily, but they really can add to that farm system and get some talent in there that, you know, even on, even on the edges, some peripheral guys like Bryce Ball could be an interesting guy. Also could be an interesting trade piece. So you're going to need all types of guys. You want to build as much talent in there as possible. So this week could be that week or who knows? We'll see what the Cubs do. And it's going to really impact, obviously, their offseason. Do you also get a sense of maybe improved confidence in the front office and identifying players that they can work with and, and maybe do some good things with? I think about the bullpen because, yeah, we expect Kimbrell and Chafin and these guys to be traded. Maybe not so much Kimbrell, but a guy like Chafin and, and Tapera and some of these other names, these are guys the Cubs brought in work with and have made them into very, very good pitchers. So I think there's reason for optimism moving forward that they can do similar things this offseason and identifying players that they think can work within their system, that their pitching coach and the pitching lab can get the best out of them. And there'll be another version of a Chafin or a Tapera, maybe not another version of Kimbrell, but there's another guy out there that they can grab, that they can tweak and turn into a high leverage power arm at the back end of the bullpen. For cheap, I thought that, I relative thought that. cheap. I thought that I've thought that for a few years. I know a lot of people, you know, comment, but I've always thought that the Cubs were good at finding guys and developing them, especially with their pitching infrastructure. And I, I've thought that for a while. And so I've, and you know, you, it's always to me, it's like, to me, when you build a bullpen, I, I don't like, you know, going out there and signing all these big name guys and, and putting these big, the worst Cubs bullpens I've thought have been to the times when they've made deals to bring in guys, give them, big contracts and we're stuck with them. I like having the options of, you know, moving guys around, getting, bringing in a bunch of guys, you know, having something to mold, something to play with. And maybe some guys stick and some guys don't Ryan to is stuck. Uh, Andrew Chafin was a trade they brought in. Uh, they also trade for Josh Osick at the same time, but Andrew Chafin kind of stuck and they brought him back. So like, you know, I, I don't. So to me, what I, I, there's a lot, I, I think sometimes people get caught up, especially with bullpens and, and, in the off season, they're like, you have to make this move or whatever you have to, we didn't, we're not adding it, but like, you never know where those guys are going to come from in a bullpen. And I've always had confidence with the Cubs and their pitching infrastructure and Tommy Hadovy to really build that. Unfortunately, I don't know if we've seen it in the starting rotation this year where they've tried to go a different way where everybody else is zagging and uh, they're zigging or whatever, maybe vice versa. But uh, I, in the bullpen, you know, I, I've, I've always had confidence in them. And, and I think, it'll be something we see in the future as well. Yeah. Bullpen is definitely one of the spots, maybe one of the few spots on a major league roster. You can really develop something out of nothing. And, you know, we, we've seen that on the big league club. So that will be interesting to watch going forward is what can this pitching infrastructure, what can this pitching lab, what can this pitching staff take from another team or another team's farm system, or even the Cubs own farm system and develop into something that can really be a useful piece at the major league level. So that will be something 
really interesting to watch going forward because there are some very interesting arms, especially in the high minor leagues that we're probably going to see up here sooner versus later. So that'll do it for this edition of Behind the Yellow Line. I have been Randall J. Sanders, as I typically whoa, whoa. am. Aren't you still Randall I was, J. I Sanders? To, I said, I, as I New typically name. am and will remain. Yeah, I'm changing my name at the end of this episode. Tune in next time to find out what I'm changing it to. But for I got Ronan, suggestions. Yeah, I know you do. You always do. For Ronan and Jeremy, I'm Randall. Thanks for listening. Find us again on Twitter at BTYL Podcast. We'll see you again. And who knows what the team will look like when we do. Thanks for listening, everybody.